I'll just go straight to something I think that'll help you. I know what helps me. is to do self-inspection. Of the things I've learned about me, one of the things that has been there as long as I can remember is that I'm observant. As a kid, I didn't miss much. As an adult, as I got into the ministry, being a shepherd, uh, I'm not taken by surprise very often. And it's become a strength for me. Something that, just to get very honest with you as believers, as church attenders, those of you streaming as well, if you'll take just a moment of reflection, whether you've been in this congregation for a long period of time, at least a long enough period of time, a Sunday school class, a prayer meeting, anywhere where there's consistency of knowing other people. Is there anybody other than me that's noticed over a period of time, all of a sudden there's an empty chair, an empty pew, there's been a change? And you know, as life goes on, after a while, if we're not careful, we're just like, okay, that's, that's typical, that's the ebbs and flows of life, and people come and people go, and that's true to an extent. But then you have to start asking yourself some of the tougher questions. Why aren't they here? And if they are here, but they're not the way they once were, what has happened? Many times they have progressed, have been promoted. But far too many times you'll see someone and you realize there's something missing in them that once was there. There was a joy at one time. There was a, a, a volunteerism at one time. It didn't matter what it was. They were the first to sign up. But they no longer do that. And so because of my calling, because of my role, and now with longevity, especially here in my post of duty here as shepherd, I know a lot of stories. I, I know what's happened in many cases, sometimes through revelation, sometimes through observance. The point I'm getting to now to also bring you along with me is this. You'll see these banners on these column wraps that says, ye who are spiritual. The Bible refers to being spiritual many times. Among being spiritual is not just the point of restoring someone, it reminds us that a lot of our life is to be spiritual. We're not just to live in the natural realm the majority of the time. And again, we're not talking about getting out of balance where somebody is, as we say, so heavenly minded or no earthly good. But it is this reality of there is a spirit in every one of us. There's a soul. Now many times our soul takes first seat. The emotions. The feelings. And it drives us into what we do naturally and what we do spiritually. 
The Word of God instructs us as Spirit-filled believers to make sure that first seat is the seat of the Spirit. Ye who are spiritual, do this, do this, don't do this. So I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. I'm probably going to camp out here for several weeks. I'm not going to make a series out of this, but this is what's really been impressed upon me by the Spirit of the Lord, of realizing that as the ebbs and flows of life, but also the spiritual attacks or the lack of nourishment to our spirit that causes a natural falling away is too many times accepted without question. I want you to stand with me as we read God's Word together. Galatians chapter 5. I want to read the first seven verses, but verse 1 is where we're going to just keep looking at and, and camping out. Verse 1 says, for, for freedom Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. Boy, if it's the first group hearing this, they must have just thought, has he lost his mind? Verse 4 again. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of our righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? What a question. Holy Spirit, enliven our spirit, quicken our minds, and let us not just read this as a devotion, let it minister to us and get the depths of what you're still saying to the believers, to the house of God, to the bride of Christ. Let us receive this and look into ourself and measure against your word and see how we're doing. We pray for healing here today, healing of mind and, yes, healing of spirit. Let your word, oh, quicken, quicken us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to put it out here and just, just absolutely get as frank as I know how to be. I don't know if I'm the only one in the room that ever had this kind of thought, and it, it stayed with me for a long time. And that would have been as we come to Christ, as we recognize Jesus Christ as our Savior, our personal Savior, 
And we prayed that prayer, whether it was a formal altar in a sanctuary or whether it was uh, on a playground or whether it was in a coliseum with a crusade, a well-known evangelist preaching, or maybe we were driving down the road and heard a radio preacher. Maybe it was a Sunday school class. Wherever you made that profession of faith, that realization that Jesus is the Savior of the world and you want him to be your personal Savior, did you ever have this thought that now that I've prayed that, that I no longer really will have sin in my life? I want you to just kind of sit in that for a minute because this thing's loaded. We know the Word of God teaches sanctification, and of course we have doctrines built around that spiritual truth. And depending on what camp you came from, what tribe you came from, you find yourself, if you're not careful, just saying, well, I no longer am capable of sin. I'm a Christian. I just make mistakes. Now, that sounds like an excuse, but there are some that's listening right now, some streaming right now that would say, no, that, that's actually reality. That's, that's where I was. That's where I am. That I, you know, I, I've confessed my sin to Jesus, and he's forgiven me of my sin. He shed his blood. I accept that, and now I'm born again, sanctified, and, and on my way to heaven, and therefore, I can't sin any longer. I say that because I was in a Bible class, uh, college level, uh, from Lee University. That's when I was still living in Ohio, and it was a class that they had in Cincinnati. And I would travel there Friday nights and Saturdays. And the teacher was teaching on sanctification and took the doctrinal position and said, as Christians, we no longer sin. And I was about... 19 years old, and I raised my hand and defied what he just said. And all of a sudden, you know, he let me know how many degrees he had, and I was wrong. And I thought, well, okay, okay, I've been wrong before, once. (laughs) And I just wonder how many others, okay, what, then if I don't sin anymore, what is this thing in my life? And what am I going to do with it? And if I don't deal with it, is it just going to go away? Or is it going to grow? It's, I told you, it was a loaded position. We go to the Hebrew writer, and many of us know this passage well because we know about the great cloud of witnesses around us. And in that, it says, let us lay aside every sin and every weight that holds us back. The King James says, that easily besets us. And we realize there's more than one category there. It's not just the weights. It's not just the things that could hinder in the natural. It's those things in the spirit as well, the sins that hold us back. Again, being the practical person I am, the observant person I am, as I study God's word, I I realize now if kings can sin and if prophets can sin and if God's very elect can sin, I'm probably capable of sinning. But if I deny that reality, what have I done to myself? And yet we're back to what Paul was writing to these believers in a place called, a region called Galatia. All these several churches, he's sending this letter out to them. 
And he said, it's for freedom's sake that Jesus set us free. Free from what? Free from what? Freedom from sin. Freedom from weights. This is one of the main purposes for him to come. That I may live free. To be absolutely released from slavery. From prison. I've never been incarcerated. But reading the stories or talking with other people as a pastor, they've shared with me their story. Getting out of that jail cell, getting out of that prison, walking out beyond those gates. How many times I've said, it's the greatest feeling in the world to know this step is a step into freedom. This last step, I was still captive. We know spiritually speaking, it's the same to to be set free. Again, we know scriptures teach us, John records it, Jesus himself says, if the Son of God sets me free, I'm free indeed. But what does that mean again? Does that mean, William, that I pray one time and it's all fixed? I'm in I'm indeed free. But if I'm still harboring sin in my life, am I really free? Is it a one-time fix? Now, I know I'm going to walk out here where angels fear to tread. Because, again, doctrines that's been built. Eternal security. And many would say that what that means to them is I am eternally secure And I can never lose what I have. Now, I will tell you my position on that is, in God's hands, I'm secure eternally. The problem is, I'm still involved in the equation, and I can mess up. So again, this for freedom, Christ has set us free. Free from what? Free from many things. So let me go a little further. Now, today will be foundational. Do you know there are sins that we just accept? They're not as bad as some of the blacklisted sins. And now that I'm a Christian and I go to church regularly, you know, I can't, I can't admit to anybody that I sin. Am I helping anybody yet? Because, see, what we do then, we start suppressing it. We don't confess it. The scriptures tell us to confess our sins one to another. How many wants to do that with social media today? See, I told you this thing's heavy. Look how we're getting cheated. In John Wesley's day, when they would come together for a prayer meeting, the, the thing that they would exercise every time they walked into somebody's cottage and say, so how have you sinned this week, my brother? Let's see how that works in today's culture. But you see, they were recognizing the reality of that sin is ever-present. Sins that hold me back. Sins that 
keep me from being what he wants me to be. He has set me free, but I choose not to deal with it. I just pet it. I just put it back in the closet. I don't deal with it. I don't confess it to anybody. There are these sins that, oh, now, of course, we know this is the top 10 sins, and if you do that, then you need to be ostracized or exercised or something. But there are all kinds of sins that hold us back. The sin of rejection. What's sin of depression? Oh, come on, Pastor, that's not a sin. Or is it? What's the definition of sin? To miss the mark. Do you think depression is God's will for a person's life? So again, we're not beating somebody up that's battling there. We want to see them set free. For freedom's sake, for freedom, Christ has set us free. It's coming to this reality that this is what he came for. That I can grow in grace. That I no longer have to be bound to these things that's held me back. My jealousies. Oh, see, we can... We can pet on that all day long. We can justify jealousy. And yet it's missing the mark, is it not? It's quiet in the house. What about being jealous? And what about being bitter? Okay, since I'm only preaching to myself now. I've watched bitterness impues my whole life. Those of you visiting, (laughs) this is who I am, folks. Is it God's will for me to live an embittered life? And yet we justify, well, you don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what they said about me. I've got a right to hate them. Really. Well, I, I can justify all this, yeah, as it breaks down my physical body, my mental acumen, my mental health. But I got a right to hold on to this bitterness. But it's not my friend. It is for freedom that Christ has set me free. Matter of fact, in this passage, he goes on, we've been called to freedom, it's to aspire. It's here. I can be free. I can be free. I know. So again, at salvation, at entry level into this revelation of what Jesus has offered to eternal life. Okay, I can confess all the sins that I did in ignorance. But now that I'm a Christian, what do I do with these things? Back to that professor. We no longer sin. We just make mistakes. No, sin is missing the mark. Sin is not only sins of commission, things I shouldn't have done, it's sins of omission. Things I should do, but I don't. I knew I should have done that. How many of us would admit, I knew early on I had a good good teacher. 
I gave my heart to Jesus. I had a good Sunday school teacher. I had a good godly parent. I had a good pastor. And they told me how important it was to develop a prayer life, to get into God's word and actually read it and not just devotion, but to study it, to show myself approved. They told me that and I started off well. I knew that, but life got so busy that I've walked away from it. You see, that's a sin of omission. I knew I should have kept that up, but I didn't. And now I'm paying the price. So it's easier to blame somebody else. Again, all these parables, the parable of the sower. Again, we see that sometimes it's just a one-time thing. A sower went out to sow seed, and the seed was the word of God, and some of it fell on stony ground, thorny ground, good soil. You know the parable. Until you realize, wait a minute, if we're going to be observant, that's every day. God's word is being cast out every day. That good seed is going out. Is it falling on stony ground in my life today? You see, the other side of that is this. There's still good soil there. There's an enemy of my soul that doesn't want his word to take root in the good soil of my heart so that I can grow thereby. Are you still with me? His truth has set me free. Set me free. Free indeed. What does that mean? To be free indeed. And then he goes on. And for many of us in, in this 21st century, we think, what's this word circumcision doing in Scripture? For this first century group, yeah, it was still very common. Many, many, of course, had come from Judaism and now recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. And this sign of circumcision, and that's why I took the time and paused in reading it for that first century group to hear that circumcision actually doesn't have any quality effect. Have you lost your mind, Paul? What Paul was trying to bring out is you're trying just to hold on to tradition. And that in itself won't set you free. Without raise of hands, I wonder how many would say, yes, there are certain things in my life, certain vices in my life, and I have told myself time and time again, I'm not going to do that again. How many of you have done it again? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> proving this point. Proving this point that, wait a minute, I, I, I've put these traditions in place, and that is to fix me. And, of course, Paul's telling them, okay, if you're going to live by the letter of the law, then you have to live by the whole law, and you'll never be able to pull it off. And he's reminding them, but it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Alan saying earlier, it's just the name of Jesus. Over every depression, the name of Jesus. Over all anxiety, the name of Jesus. Is that a, a simple little mind over matter trick? No, 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 no. His truth will set me free. Will I battle depression? Yes, some of us will battle it. What do I do about it? Do I just ignore it? Do I just accept it in my life? Or do I say, no, but the name of Jesus. 
Carrie earlier talking about his grandmother. Jesus, 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 Jesus. How many knows you can't get enough of Jesus in your life? How many have ever been in that place in life where you don't have anything else to say but? Because you're at the end of your rope. You're frustrated. You've come to the end of yourself. I've tried it with my intellect. I've tried it through education. I've tried it through the traditions. I've tried it by putting other people in my life. And I'm still coming up short. What is my answer? Jesus! Jesus! Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm out of energy. I can't already say his name anymore, but just to whisper the name, Jesus. He says to stand, therefore. There's one of them therefores. I love those therefores. In other words, he's just talked about all these things and he comes back. Stand in that freedom. Stand in what he has already given us. Stand firm. How many knows the devil's still going to come at you? Still going to tempt you? How many has the enemy ever accused you? And you just have to stand, therefore. Devil, I know. I hear your voice. But greater is he that's in me. And there are times you can have a victory march as soon as you whisper the name of Jesus. And there's other times you battle all night long. You wrestle all night long. But I'm not going to let you go until I receive that blessing from you. To stand, therefore, stand firmly in what Christ has offered me. I love the wording here, Paul said. It's, 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 it's not mental acumen. It's not intellectual assent. It is a position of faith in love. It's the only thing that works. My faith is in him. He is the solid rock, and I stand upon him. At times, I get deliverance immediately, and other times, I question, and I question, and I question, but I'm still going to stand firmly. I don't understand everything going on right now, but I'm going to stand firmly in him. I don't know when my answer is going to come, but I know he's my answer. I'm just going to stand, therefore, and I'm going to stand firmly because it's for this that Jesus came, that I may live free. The battle for freedom. If I started naming vices today, some of you would say that was once me. Others would say that's still me. Some would say, yeah, I'm kind of intermittent. I binge. The gossips, the hatreds, the jealousies, the bitternesses, the other things that we get bound to. How many has learned that these bodies are needy? 
The rest of you can raise your hand. That's a good place to raise your hand. Jesus, it's for freedom that you came for me to be free. He knew that these bodies would demand of us. He knew that this culture would demand of us. He knew the pressures of society would clamor against us. So he offered us freedom. I can be free. I can be free indeed. So I'm going to stand. I'm standing securely in my answer right now. Other times, I still look through a glass darkly, but I'm going to stand upon his truth. His truth will set me free. You see what I'm repeating over and over is this. The early position was I prayed one time and it fixed me for life. Now we're all admitting it's every day. Every day. I just left the altar. I feel good and great. An hour later, I'm in the battle again. I've done great all week long, but tomorrow's another day. I've been clean for years, but the battle's still is there. Sometimes it just is relentless and it comes against you over and over and over. And other times it seems as though I'll probably never deal with that again. And then somewhere, when you least expect it, it shows up. Do you know what's consistent in all this? The freedom that he offers us. You see now how precious this thing is. The Bible tells us that if we resist the devil, he'll flee from us, right? Well, that's really not the complete picture, is it? The real problem is the first part of that verse. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Then resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. How many has learned it's hard to submit? Again, the rest of the hands, please. Those of you streaming, raise your hand right now. God, God sees you. You see this, because this flesh has got pride to it. I don't want to submit. And I sure can't confess. For all the macho guys, I can't, I can't confess I'm needy. Really? How's that working for you? Submit yourself. There's that therefore. Unto God. Now you're in position to resist the devil. And he'll have to flee. Sometimes he flees immediately. Sometimes he fights with everything in him. But he'll have to flee. When you've submitted to God in this freedom he gives us. Again, this reverent worship that comes with liberty. This, this genuine obedience that comes along with liberty that he affords us. The self-sacrificing love to others that comes through the liberty that he offers. I want you to stand with me.